0: On that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Radalich and Broadcasting Network Movie Review Club. Tonight we are reviewing Pan, and if you're wondering, well, what the heck was that? You've either seen this movie, or more, if you've seen this movie, you probably walked away wondering what the heck was that. That also means you're not confused about that little intro song, because that's our introduction to both Neverland and Hugh Jackman's Blackbeard in the movie Pan, which we'll be discussing tonight. It's never adequately explained, and you're going to be hearing that phrase a lot. (laughs) Mind you, Jackman has this bizarre obsession with both Nirvana and the Ramones, but he does. And, you know, as a guy who appreciates taking songs and making them creepier, a bunch of kids in slave labor being forced to sing along to Nirvana should be right up my alley, but, man, it was just so... I mean, Mark, there was no purpose for this. <laughs> I mean you, you know you you actually like Nirvana I don't but that was just thrown in there because it seemed like someone thought hey this might be cool and it I mean you can't just do that with movies you know you need it has to fall within the sense of the narrative and I mean it just it makes no sense and again that's another thing we're going to be saying a lot so Mark are you as confused as I am about all of this It honestly
2: took me out of the movie like I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I and I hear like no they're they're not and then he started singing it you know like he was like soloing he was, like with that light on it's so dangerous he was, like oh my god there's my wife and I actually looked at each other and sneered and and the whole rest of the time in the movie I'm like okay Nirvana this Peter Pan goes to Neverland in the middle of what was it World War Two.
0: Yeah, so he's probably mid 1940s. Uh, okay. Especially during the uh, especially during the London bombing. So this is early 40s, late 30s. Okay.
2: So Nirvana won't come into being for another 50 <laughs> to 60 years. And yeah. and so I spent the rest of the movie trying to figure out is Blackbeard a time traveler? Is he, he has
0: to, to be Because he actually has a line about it in his opening bit of dialogue when he says, you're here from every continent, from every walk of life, and from every era. So not only are you a planet-traveling pirate in your little pirate ships, you can apparently travel through time as well.
2: And so that's the only way that
0: made any sense to me. And I asked her, did I miss something? Blackbeard is a time lord. (laughs) I don't even like Doctor Who.
2: I'm like, did I... Is there is there a thing? Is there something happening in the culture where you know turning uh, songs from the '90s, uh, so you know well known rock and roll songs, into pirate shanties? Is that is that a thing? Only if
0: you're Alestorm. Yeah, <laughs> Ale storm's a great band. I agree. I like Alestorm. Uh, I mean, if you want another, I mean, again, this should be right up my alley because I like creepy stuff. There's a different re- a different version of this song that was played over the uh pre the over the trailer to the found footage horror crap fest called The Gallows. That was much better than this, much creepier.
2: Tori Amos does a piano solo version of uh, Rain and Blood by Slayer, which is absolutely haunting. So I'm not against the idea I just, you know, there's a time it's and a place. it got to make
0: sense. Yeah.
2: You know, like, I, I don't want someone to remake, like, Gone with the Wind and then have them play uh, Gangster's Paradise, but have it sung by prairie
0: children. Oh, come on. Now that would be awesome. <laughs> in large part because any version of Gangster's Paradise yeah. that's not the original is awesome. Fair enough.
2: But, yeah, that was, uh, I, I had a rough time getting back in the movie, and then at the end of it, they, they fully ripped off the Death Star sequence scene in Star Wars. Look at that!
0: You're all, all sick, right.
2: Let's blow this thing and go home.
0: Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, again, I have mentioned before we're talking about Pan, uh, not a Disney movie in this particular instance. I looked it up. It's uh, the production companies are both T Productions and Rat Pack, and it's distributed by Warner Brothers. And this, uh, I'm going to be honest, tell you all right now, if you haven't picked up on it already, this movie's kind of a mess. As far as the plot synopsis, I'll be very brief here. Uh, we open with a woman, played by Amanda Seyfried, uh, depositing baby Peter Pan at the gates of an orphanage. This particular orphanage is very, very uh, Dickensian. Uh Peter Pan is actually kidnapped by the space pirates, which are, in this instance, again, part of Blackbeard's crew with most of the orphans from his orphanage, because the nun in charge is selling them off, because she's Irish and therefore evil, I assume. I don't know. None of this is (laughs) talked about. Uh, They are taken to Neverland, where they are impressed into slave labor, mining pixie dust for a Blackbeard who uses it to remain eternally young and stave off death. As far as evil villain motivation goes, I'm fine with it. Uh, Hugh Jackman's Blackbeard is one of the great missed opportunities of this movie for a variety of reasons. Uh, While imprisoned, Peter Pan meets a young James Hook, played by Garrett Hedlund, played so unevenly, written so unevenly. I've seen Garrett Hedlund be charming on screen. He's a darn good emotional core for Tron Legacy, but here he's just, again, uneven. No one knows how to write Captain Hook, and that's not just here. I mean, Steven Spielberg's the only one who's given us a decent screen rendition of Captain Hook, and God bless Dustin Hoffman for pulling that off. They escape from custody uh, with Smee, who is an Indian man in this instance, not Native American Indian, but Indian from India. They escape into the Forest of Neverlands where they meet the Natives who are apparently the – look, I know we don't want caricatures and, you know, anything offensive stereotypes. If you're going to have a tribe of Natives, they should all at least look the same. (laughs) Look around that tribe of Natives and I'm not entirely sure any of them are from the same background. Genetically oh,
2: speaking, I, I can I can tell you what's connecting them all. They're the lost tribe of Pottery Barn.
0: <sighs> Something like that. Jeez.
2: They 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 had like crafts and stuff hanging out of their hair. I mean, clearly, you know, clearly that this is the, the, this was the lost tribe of projects. uh, uh there they discover- a lot. Uh,
0: the, once there, they discover that Peter is actually this. His mother was. A human who fought for the natives against Blackbeard. She might have been native to Neverland. She was Blackbeard's love. She was rescued from Blackbeard and seduced by the uh, fairy prince. So Peter is half and half, because why not? That's apparently what every savior character needs. You must be half and half. Uh, uh, The natives are ambushed by Blackbeard, who has followed them. They decide they have to get Peter Pan to the secret entrance into the fairy kingdom. So to release the fairies and then fight back against Blackbeard. Blackbeard wants to go there because all of the pixie dust, uh, which is about the sum total of it. There's a big fight scene on flying pirate ships at the end. Uh, Captain Hook uh, leaves them at one point, then comes back again, as Mark said, completely ripping off Han Solo's departure and return from Star Wars A New Hope. Blackbeard is ultimately killed. Peter Pan realizes he can fly, becomes one with the fairy people, having mastered the four elements. Seriously, I watched this final sequence and went, well, congratulations if you wanted to turn Peter Pan into into Aang from The Last Airbender. You have succeeded (laughs) and to a much better degree than M. Night Shyamalan did, sir. (laughs)
2: So, before this goes any further, um, I want to talk a little bit about Warner Brothers.
0: Um, Oh, that bumbling bunch of buffoons.
2: I'm looking at the top ten highest grossing films of 2015 so far. Universal Picture has the first two spots.
0: Uh, That's what? Jurassic World and... Furious 7. Furious 7, okay.
2: Uh, Marvel Studios comes in at number three, and that's part of Walt Disney. Minions is your third one your Universal Pictures. That comes in at number four. And back to Disney again with Inside Out. At number six, we have Rogue Nation, um Paramount Pictures.
0: Yeah.
2: Universal gets the number seven slot with fifty shades of gray. And Wolf is back again with number eight at Cinderella. Warner Brothers only high uh, highest grossing film this year was San Andreas.
0: Yeah, that's that studio has had a bad couple of years.
2: Well, I'm looking from a financial
0: at, standpoint.
2: I'm looking at like the number um the uh, the worst grossing films of all time. I'm trying to figure out like just just for 2015 and
0: um they've had what? three box office flops this year?
2: Uh well, Jupiter Ascending is Flopped. one. Yep. Hang on, I'm going to do this by year. Uh, Right now, they've got two... uh, Warner Brothers has two movies, 16 and 25, on the uh, biggest box office bombs um, between 1995 and 2015. And uh, number 16 is Jupiter Ascending, and number 25 is Tomorrowland.
0: Yeah, they've... uh... Yeah, Tomorrowland was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, they've had a rough stretch of it financially. And this isn't going to change their fortunes, folks. For those of you who don't know, this movie cost $150 million to make. None of that budget was spent on competent writing. <laughs> uh, I imagine Hugh Jackman got a good portion of it. And God bless Hugh Jack. Look, I have to say this now. Hugh Jackman has an odd career in that he is a very talented and gifted actor when he wants to be. When put in the right position, Hugh Jackman is awesome. He also takes movies very frequently that I imagine have one or one of two motivations. Maybe they overlap. On the one hand, the man has to get paid. Every, everybody, unless you're Daniel Day-Lewis. Every actor has taken roles just for the paycheck. That is not an insult. That is not demonizing anyone or anything. you got to get paid. This is your job. Two, he takes them because he thinks they look like fun. And I'm not going to – here's why I will not mock you, Jackman, for taking either of those two roles. Because the man has the decency and the professionalism to show up and put forth effort. Even when the movies are crap. Okay.
2: All right. Real quick, uh, well, real quick, I Jupiter Ascending was the only one from this year from Warner Brothers. The, the other one was Walt Disney with Tomorrowland, which we talked about at length. That's one of record on that. Okay. Um But yeah, Warner Brothers is having a is having a real tough time here. You know, like if Batman vs Superman next year doesn't hit it out of the park,
0: I'm not sure oh, what it's going to do. You know, it will.
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, people will go see it for sure.
0: I imagine it'll be pretty good. I mean, again, you and I talked at length about why we liked man of steel and why everyone who complained that it sucked was wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, so the reason why I bring that up is, you know, this film got pushed back from its summer release schedule. Um, there was production problems with it. They pushed it back from summer to October. Uh, one of the guys that we, we talked to um, offline, um, Gavin Napier from The Casual Heroes, like this was a terrible release. I mean, they they tried to release it for Columbus Day, thinking maybe the extra day off, uh, not in Florida, we don't celebrate Columbus Day down here, but the rest of the country where, where, where kids were off from school. Wait, uh, seriously?
0: Your state is your state is screwed, man. Just I have to say that again.
2: I I don't know what to tell you. Um but we all you know, most most states have <laughs> Offer Columbus Day and they figured, okay, well that's a four day weekend, you know, and people will go take their kids to this. And it um it got terrible word of mouth and you have to wonder what audience were they What audience were they going for here? They don't
0: know. (laughs) I mean, you look at the script, and just and we'll talk about this in a bit. But even when they were making it, they didn't know.
2: Well, you and I talked about this during our at the end of our review of the Martian, where I said, look, I wanted to take my daughter to go see Pan. It's part of the reason why I added the schedule to begin with, and. My wife was like, no, it's going to be really too intense for her. And when the movie was over, she was like, yeah, she would have hated this. Uh, So, you know, if you can't, if if you're not gearing this for kids, who the fuck are you gearing it for? And I'm not entirely certain kids would have enjoyed this movie.
0: I don't think they would have. I mean, and look, I got to get this out of the way because I mentioned they don't know who they're aiming this movie at. This movie has the most severe case of dissociative identity disorder I've ever seen in a film.
2: The whole beginning of it, the whole first act of Peter in the orphanage is grab and boring, you
0: know, and... and, and you know the. I, nun- I mean, it, it opens and you think, okay, there might be telling Peter Pan's... I mean, look, the opening act, it feels like the first part of a Dickens novel. That wasn't right. a joke on my part. It legitimately feels like poor orphan... War torn England, down on his luck, drab.
2: When bleeds. he when he says, you know, is there is this all is there any food? I mean, did you think they were gonna break into Oliver Twist?
0: The food my mind.
2: food <laughs> Uh I swear I thought they were gonna break out into into song.
0: They did later, and it was Nirvana.
2: <laughs> you know, I swear to God, when he when, I'd like more, please, more?
0: Yeah, it feels like that. It very much does. And then they whisk you away to Neverland, and I can understand in some part wanting to paint maybe the real world as drab and boring for Peter and then Neverland as his true home so everything's more vibrant. It doesn't come across that way.
2: No, because you spend the next half of the movie either in a rock quarry
0: He's still stuck in a Dickens novel. He just moved from the orphanage to the, you know, the salt mines.
2: And then they're lost in the jungle. So there's never really a part of Neverland. I you know. I said the movie looks pretty, and there are parts of it that it does, but only parts of it. You know, I, I the, the natives are very colorful looking. That's why I made the pottery barn joke. It doesn't make any sense. But I thought, I, I thought, you know, and then them getting killed and turning into in turning into colorful dust.
0: Oh, that took me so far out of the movie for a couple of minutes. <laughs> well
2: my wife and I had a good laugh at that. You know, we were just like, Oh that's fun. That's a that's, a, that's an interesting way to kill people. I didn't know what was happening at first. My they wife thought actually they were thinking,
0: shooting giant paintballs at the natives, maybe. <laughs> I
2: honestly thought that's
0: what was happening. I was like, What what
2: are they throwing paintballs at them? Oh they're dying. Oh, I get it now. Okay. Yeah, because
0: for those again, if you haven't seen the movie and judging by the numbers you haven't when they kill the when the natives die, they explode into these giant. There's just giant explosions of bright colors, powder colors. I, I mean, I don't even if you've ever been to one of those like togetherness festivals at a, a Krishna temple and they throw that colored powder on you. That's what these people are made of. And there's <laughs> apparently a lot of surface tension because as soon as it's ruptured, they explode.
2: Now, I understand one of the controversies, speaking of the natives, and I- we're all over the place here, but I, I understand it's one of the controversies. the movie.
0: This movie's all over the place. We can be, too.
2: <laughs> one of the controversies of this movie was the, quote, unquote, whitewashing of uh, Tiger Lily.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
0: My bigger problem is that they cast Rooney Mara, who I have an extraordinarily low opinion of well, I mean
2: I thought she she was fine. The problem was she she was yet uh, look, I made the joke before that, that that this was basically Star Wars, and it is this was this was a this was a
0: crappy Star Wars, which isn't of itself a rip off of any number of other better westerns like, or samurai movies.
2: I feel like they put a dollar in a vending machine and out came a paint by numbers adventure script. Uh, yeah, about right <laughs> that grew directly from star wars so you had the messiah character you know the poor boy who grows up to be a hero you know the chosen one you had the rogue in captain hook and you had the princess so considering there was nothing native about her there was nothing native about this tribe you know again it was just a bunch of people running around you know in, in arts and crash material i didn't really care that she was white it wasn't you know some people were like, "Oh, it says in the books that you know it's a particular tribe." And oh, kind of like-
0: piss <laughs> off on the source material for this.
2: I was gonna say they went so far from the source material; I don't think it matters anymore.
0: <laughs> really, you're gonna ch- of all the gripes you have about them screwing with the source material, you're gonna cherry pick the race one? You bunch of cow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, I- okay, I- my, my was- issue
0: with Rooney Mara is I. I don't like her. I don't like what she brings to any movie. I have an extraordinarily low opinion of her professionalism. I have an extraordinarily low opinion of her talents. And I feel she detracts from anything she's in.
2: Um, they named dropped up Tinkerbell for no good reason. That annoys
0: yeah, me. No reason. None at all.
2: It was literally it was like, like there's a checklist of things <laughs> they needed to include in Peter Pan. And they were like, well, we haven't brought up Tinkerbell yet. So we'll have him say – Oh, I've met a fairy. Her name is Tinkerbell, and then forget it ever happened.
0: Uh, Somehow, rather, that could have been integrated so much better.
2: Yeah, there there was a there there was a lot of ways they could have made that better. You know, Uh, this they they okay. So I was talking about how the movie looks. So you never when we talked about Tomorrowland, the only time we ever you ever see Tomorrowland is when is when. uh, you have the main character who um, is still playing with the pin, and she gets what 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 amounts to be a um, an advertisement for Tomorrowland. It's
0: a recruiting video. Yeah,
2: it's a recruiting video.
0: The but old at that least you can be.
2: But at least when you were there, it t- Tomorrowland took you to a different place. It did take you to a place of hope and wonder, and it looked beautiful on the screen. Peter Pan never uh, pan never does that. Pan never takes you anywhere. You know, you go from the you go from Charles Dickens England to a, a rock quarry to the jungle, and then at the very end, you have you, you know you, you're fighting in the bookshelf from Interstellar. It looked like I, I just like I didn't know <laughs> they had. You know, I was like, oh, we're into the fairy kingdom. <laughs> the fairy kingdom. Listen, I've seen four different take to- uh, about movies. The fairy kingdom looks awesome. Like, it doesn't look like it does in, in, in anything in this movie. I was like, oh, they, well, they, the fairy kingdom had to, like, pack up and go into hiding. Okay. So so now we're back in a we're, – now we're in a cave filled with stalagmites of, of pixie dust. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's – I mean, again, there is one sequence that actually manages to impart a bit of the joy and wonder that is supposed to be Neverland. And that's when they're flying in with a bunch of kidnapped kids. Right. Because you get some truly awesome stuff there. I mean, there's a bunch of different, uh, like, water balls suspended in midair with fish in them. And you have flying fish that travel between them. And one of them has a giant crocodile. And you get a moment of, because Neverland is the place of the impossible. Anything can happen there. It's meant to be this, you know, joyous, bright, beautiful place. And they sucked all of that out of it for this movie.
2: Well, that's the thing is like, they get to Neverland and you know, and they're singing Nirvana for no good reason. And out walks Darth Vader, uh, as played by Hugh Jackman, and he, and he's like, "Welcome to Neverland. You'll be rewarded as long as you." And then you didn't see any of that. He might as well have. He, he might as well have come out and said, "Welcome to Neverland, the place of your final resting place." Like, it, it didn't matter. You know, I would have liked to have seen. You know, he's gonna say like, like if you work hard, you'll be rewarded. Well, then show kids being rewarded. If we're gonna spend time here, then show me what it is. To, you know, if it's a slave labor camp, why is he making that kind of an announcement? <laughs> like, there's no. I mean, it was just like like being over the top just to be over the top. But it's like the I, bad you know, thing
0: it, is, I get what they're going for. And bear in mind, I mean, look, he's just a dictator over his slave labor camp. But rather than keep everyone in line by threatening them at every turn, he gets them in line with promises by occasionally rewarding someone for doing something well and violently punishing those who disobey. But everyone else that. feeling like a commu- – again, I get this because I've seen that story told better. I've seen – you know, news reports about it. Uh, so I understand what they're going for. They just failed miserably to execute
2: it. Uh, did you ever see the animated Pinocchio uh, by Walt Disney? Okay, so there's a whole sequence where, where Pinocchio goes to – what the fuck is the name of it?
0: The island. We'll just call yeah. it the island. Right,
2: the, the way he goes to the island. And at least there, you get a – now you understand why these kids are running away from home. At, you know, before they're you know, it's a bait—it's it's a bait, uh situation for Stromboli. But at least, you know, they have this opportunity to like have fun and break stuff and everything before Stromboli shows up and kidnaps them and turns them into puppets or whatever the hell he does.
0: Uh, um, Stromboli, you're confusing characters. That particular island turns on misbehaving children into donkeys, which are then pressed into labor. I However, said your point—the point remains.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's what I would have liked to have seen here. To at least show me any reason why the kids haven't picked up pickaxes and started swinging them at people. You know, either that or you have to be brutal. In which case, hey, stop yelling. Welcome to Neverland. <laughs> it doesn't
0: it's, it's matter. Again, of I understand what they were trying to do. I just absolutely believe they failed.
2: Nobody does this though. You know, slave ships did not arrive in Virginia and out walks, you know, the Car- Colonel Sanders yelling, welcome to Virginia! And the blacks get off the boat and it's like, uh, why? <laughs> there's, there's nothing good here.
0: No, look, the point here is, and again, this is actually a much more relevantly, so, so to speak, this is more a government form of control than it is a localized slave labor thing. You get this a lot with dystopian futures, Okay, you but you still, that, But this is
2: still a movie, and you still have to show something.
0: I'm not you, disagreeing. Again, they failed miserably to execute this idea. Absolutely miserably. So yeah, as so those I mean, cult both. leaders do the same thing.
2: No, sure, but even then, but, again,
0: the, failure to execute.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. With, with any of what you're saying. I'm saying, if that's the case, then, you, then they, they failed to you any of that.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you get the discipline portion when Hook kicks a couple of kids off of his ships and they fall to their death.
1: Right. Bear in mind,
0: that's what happens. He <laughs> kicks a kid off of the floating ship that has walked the plank. Kid falls to his death.
2: <laughs> I actually laughed at that.
0: I I mean, again, my issue here is, and I, is... We've talked about a couple of other movies this year that I felt had identity issues. Uh, Ant-Man specifically, because... Again, I watched Ant-Man and was like, okay, this is the stuff that Edgar Wright wanted in there. This is the stuff the actual director wanted in there. And here's Marvel Studios saying we must have X, Y, and Z. And it's obvious. You can tell. At least with Ant-Man... It's everyone telling the same story. You have different voices, you have different jokes, you have different quirks, but they're all telling fundamentally the same story. Uh, With the Fantastic Four, the, you know, less than adequate four, the Dear God, Why, Why, Why four.
2: The Morose four.
0: I mean, even with that, you had two very distinct movies and you can argue that they were telling different stories. Again, we talked about that at length. My point there is they were both at least trying to tell movies within the same genre, though one can debate whether or not, you know, Trang wanted to do a superhero movie at all. I don't think he did. He wanted a chronicle sequel because he thinks he's an artist. And but again, my point being, it was obvious which was done by which guy and whatnot, but it's not jarring in the sense that we're switching everything about the movie here this movie doesn't know what it wants to be i mean again fantastic four the studio wanted a superhero movie trang wanted a gritty surrealistic i hate the military and everyone in authority and if i can squeeze and found footage so be it and they clashed over that but at the end of the day we got at least a somewhat we we got a superhero movie. This is not sure whether it's a Dickensian tale, you know, along the lines of Great Expectations, an adventure movie like uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, first one. I'll I'll specify there. Uh, you know, some kind of fantasy epic, soap opera like Star Wars, a goofy kids movie. Or something that manages to appeal to kids with uh, and adults at the same time. It's everywhere. This movie does not have an identity.
2: Right. And then it, it establishes no sense of wonder. I said, there are times where the movie looks very pretty. The, the colors, especially with the natives, the, come out, you know, really...
0: And then they <laughs> fight on trampolines, which is just the dumbest thing.
2: I've seen that before. That didn't bother me. Um but what i'm what i'm saying is that there's at least contrast with certain colors but there's but again it's, it there's only small parts of the movie where that happens it's a, it's like 100 minutes of drabness 11 minutes of color um, but on top of that the uh, yeah it just it, it that's it. it it was just sort of a schmaltzy pink by numbers I know you're saying it was all over the place, but I'll, I'll just go with fantasy. It was a schmaltzy paint-by-numbers fantasy movie. There was nothing to it. They, 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 they rush certain things, like the introduction of Tinkerbell, who's a major character, by the way, and they just, they just gloss over that. They keep alluding to the fact that eventually Peter and Hook will become enemies, but they don't in this movie, and they, they just have that line at the end, you know, where he says, we're going to be best friends forever. It's like, sure, what could possibly go wrong? except that he's been an asshat this entire movie, whose only interest whose only interest in furthering the plot was making sure he got out of the rock quarry and that he wanted to get into Rooney, Rooney Mara's
0: pants. For no discernible reason, other than apparently she's the only woman he's seen in however long he's been on the island.
2: Well, uh, you know. She's people. not
0: that attractive.
2: Prison does that to men. Um, I'm
0: aware, and he's been in prison for a long time, so I forgive it, but...
2: Yeah, it just... I don't know what else
0: to say about this movie It was I mean, uh, There's a couple of things I want to touch on specifically Before we get into some of the sure. Overall problems I, I need to talk about some of the individual performances uh, First of all again, Hugh Jackman God bless him If he took this role because he thought it would be fun to be a pirate Or he just needed the money He at least shows up And he tries And yes, he chews scenery left and right there's no getting around it. But I at least I feel like he didn't just show up and read lines. And yeah, he was I felt bad about many other people, some in this movie. <laughs> so I, I really needed to kind of single that out and go, you know, good for you, man. You have some, you know, professional integrity that even though this sucks, I'm not going it's not gonna suck because of me. And I I have to applaud him for that. So don't get me wrong. Very uneven. Very, uh, his the character is written very. Uh, oh, stock.
2: You know, it's he's essentially uh, every witch, every like female villain in in a fantasy movie. Oh, I have found I have found the fountain of youth. He's uh, what's the mother? Oh God, Gothel. Rapunzel character.
0: Mother Gothel.
2: Yeah, he's Mother Gothel.
0: (laughs) And uh, and again, let me be clear. I don't mind your villains being straightforward evil simply for the sake of being evil and seeking to perpetuate your own life at the expense of anything and everything else is evil. Let's not beat around the bush. I'm fine. Again, I don't need all of my characters to be nuanced. I just need them to make sense. And... Unfortunately, with this Blackbeard, we get his motivation. Again, live forever. But the thing:
2: story. I don't understand why anybody was still with him. Because look, if you're a pirate, right, you're paying people to crew your ship to steal resources, gold, etc., And you're paying people out of, out of your raid. So why is anyone loyal to you? you know, if you're a gangster, why is everyone – because you're paying them. And you're paying them more than they would get anywhere else to do what they do what was anyone's motivation for staying with
0: him it's a huge gaping hole in the plot like uh, I mean again he should people should be staying with him either because he's paying them or they're too afraid to leave and they don't deal with either
2: like you you get somewhat why the kids won't leave because they're fucking chained to but why is anyone loyal to him
0: yeah again it's not discussed there are two reasons a villain has loyalty from their henchmen. They're either their henchmen are either so evil on their own that they're just fine being with evil overlord, they're being paid, or they're being browbeaten and intimidated into staying. And it's not hard to pick one of those three.
2: But you have to pick one.
0: But you have to do
2: something. Yeah, you have no. There was no reason why why anyone should have been loyal to Blackbeard. Because he's not mining anything that makes any of them any money. So, you know, one of the things I said in the movie is, you know, the mine's starting to run low on pixie on Dust, uh, Pixum, as they called it. Uh, so, the, you know, they need more boys to mine, to, to mine more of the rock because he's running low. And if you're a pirate in that situation working for Blackbeard, you're going, and what is my cut of this? Because there was no other treasure that I saw. The, I,
0: I, and it would have been so easy for you know the kids to be pulling out rubies, sapphires, diamonds, and for the pirates to keep them. And the kid going, I found something. Isn't this good? No, that's not what we're after. I'll take it, but no, get back to work.
2: Right. It's you know basically like I don't care about the treasure, whatever treasure would what, you pirates, whatever treasure the kid, the the, the boys find is yours. All I, you know all I want and, is but any fix- of this God help oh, you, no.
0: you get between me and my pixie dust right I say, you know,
2: keep what hey, you look, find hey look we made the movie the better. and then you know, and then that could have been like what is the pixie dust even for you know because they, they showed the audience midway through the movie that it's to keep him young but that would have been a fun thing in the movie if the pirates was like I don't know what he wants it for but you know fuck it you know.
0: we don't care we get everything else if he wants this
2: it. Yeah, there's so much gold and there's so much silver in these mines. I don't fucking care what you know why you know, and and then and then they then they could have been mean to the children for that reason because they're really getting something out of this, so they've got a lot of stake in this operation. But it just gets glossed over because fucking Peter this Pan one, is Jedi, and they had to concentrate
0: on him mastering. One,
2: one big gloss over. because what do they focus on? They focus on Peter Pan flying. Which the the only reason why he could fly was because he had pixie dust.
0: Well, in the original, in this, he's half pixie, so it's different. Which I'm fine with, but... (laughs) You're half pixie. Again, it's stupid, it's lazy, it's stock. But if you're going to go with it, fine. Just understand that we don't have to fixate on it.
2: And that's another thing. They go into this whole backstory about you know the the what was it the fairy king and some, well, the fairy um,
0: prince finding you know the girl that Blackbeard loved and had locked up on his ship and it's it's just pointless
2: like show like why didn't they show any of the fairy kingdom
0: because the fairy kingdom in this instance is simply the inside of a geode
2: <laughs> that's my
0: point though
2: that there was an opportunity to really take a like When they did the flashbacks when they did the flashback sequences instead of doing it as, as the uh, planetarium laser light show the way they did in the movie
0: they should those, have Those weren't just lazily done they were lazy plot <laughs> devices Oh, you want to know what happened By the way, we've got this tree here They and uh, it stores memories
2: They should have gone full flashback They should have said Neverland was what because if they wanted to show again contrast and really take you somewhere. It's like once upon a time the fairies ruled Neverland, and then fucking show it, show yeah. this, show this magical place of fair, you know, and then make the fairies look bigger, um, and you know, show what they show in the Tinkerbell movies, basically, you know, the big tree that produces all the pixie dust, and show, uh, you know, you know the fairies, ma- you know, bringing springtime to, to uh, you know, different, uh, different seasons. And painting bugs, <laughs> they they really they had an opportunity to link this with the with the Walt Disney Tinkerbell movies, and even okay, so they're two different production companies, but still, they had they, they, it was there for the taking. They could have they could have come up with this whole creative imaginative world.
1: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, where the fairy kingdom
2: was, and then shown Blackbeard fucking ransacking the place. You know, like oh, and then you know, then Blackbeard came, and they all went into hiding. You know what? Blah blah blah. blah. And show, like, that's part of his origin story. And that would have been fine, but it's like, you got none of that. You got, like, a brief explanation that that kind of happened, and that's it. And then just a bunch of, you know, people holding lighters.
0: Oh, and then, uh, lest, lest we forget, there's apparently a section of the river that is charged with memories by mermaids that will conveniently <laughs> pop up to provide more exposition.
2: Yeah. Th-
0: that was, honestly, I think that was the dumbest laziest possible thing they did
2: there, this had, there had to have been a script at one point that went into the whole fairy kingdom thing and they were like we got to cut this you know this is when they started budgeting out scenes and whatever else they're like well unless we animate all this then that's going to push production back the, the, we're running into you know it was like a $150 million budget like I think to have done this right they would have gone to like $200-$300 million they're so like no that's not happening we've lost money on too many other pictures, so you got to cut this. And so they're just like, oh, fuck it then. The mermaids, the mermaids made memories in the water. I don't know. Like I can just, I can just be like frustrated screenwriters, punching things up and taking things out and going, well, we had a good idea, but the studio shit all over it.
0: I, again, uh, the, the writers room for this had to be equal parts. We can ignore this cause we'll deal with it in the sequel. And I we will get to that in just a minute or studio executives going, all righty, we've got notes, and they all come in the form of red ink.
2: <laughs> the more I read the backstory on, on movies, you know, Fantastic Four being the, being the most recent one, the most the most famous one. But I've read other books and I've read articles on you know on movies and production, like what happened with with Age of Ultron and how that it, now how Marvel Studios is directly under Disney Pictures and no longer part of Marvel Comics um, as such. That like I think you know like when you and I sit here and we see the finished product and we're like what the fuck is this you know and we're like, oh this could have been so much better I bet I bet a lot of the stuff that we're talking about was probably in a lot of these movies but gets cut because of budgets you know they don't you know they they just go I oh I honestly get rid do not
0: know what they spent a hundred and fifty million dollars on in this movie
2: <laughs> the rock quarry
0: I mean look good animation is not cheap I get that but. Your finished product did not require a dollars worth of animation.
2: Well they I mean, had to do, they had, had to build know you a have cave to pay, pay everyone
0: else and whatnot, but well, still
2: hang on, they had to build a cave full of pixum. That's a set.
0: They did not build that. That was all CGI'd.
2: <laughs> okay. Let's they be
0: clear to, there.
2: They had to turn people they had to turn people into colorful cocaine.
0: Which again, go to your local Krishna <laughs> temple. Ask politely to borrow some.
2: Yeah, I don't know what they spent on.
0: Million. No, I, again, there are certain movies with bloated budgets that I look at and I go, okay, this clearly got away from you. I mean like John Carter, all right? I watched that movie. I know why it failed. It's a bad movie. But the, you hear the budget, you know, 200-some-odd million dollars when it's all said and done. It's a huge flop. I look at that movie and I can go, you know what? With all the animation you did, with all the touch-ups you did, with all the recalls, recuts, re- with all that, that movie's whole backstory, I look at all of it and I go, I can see it. I see where all the money went. You should have spent more of it on a believable lead actor than Taylor Kitsch, but I see it. With this, I'm like, Where? Where did you nothing in this movie says hey we spent 150 million dollars making this like no did did pan did, did Peter Pan actually smack
2: Jupiter in the movie
0: that looked more like Saturn and it's it, it was just like wait what it seemed like somebody had a great idea like hey he's going to grow so big he can smack a planet around before we suck him into ne- wait a minute Wait a minute! I this that doesn't sequence. work on any level.
2: I watched that sequence. and I'm like, okay. So first, we have to believe that he can breathe in space, but he's also on a flying pirate ship. So I'm gonna go with go with it. Then he reaches out and touch and like he doesn't just touch it. He like bits it. He's like slapping yeah. it around.
0: Cat with a ball of yarn.
2: Yeah. Uh, like,
0: is he high? Is, uh, this, I, is this supposed to be uh, a dream sequence? What's
2: what's happening here?
0: Yeah. It's. It's just odd. Um, Real briefly, because I have to touch on this again. Garrett Hedlund, the guy who plays their version of Captain Hook. Bear in mind that they wrote this version of Captain Hook as if, all right, we're going to try and give him the personality of Han Solo. We're going to fail miserably, but boy, we're going to try. And we're going to stick a hat on him, and please, it's clearly not the Indiana Jones hat. Why in the world would you put an Indiana (laughs) Jones hat on uh, on Han Solo. No, no. Clearly, we are not trying to simply blend these two characters together without bothering to create our own, or write believable dialogue.
2: He it, tried it was, so hard. I, I have. No, I'm not going to say a word bad about Garrett Hedlund's performance because he did the best he could. But I <laughs> with will.
0: The I will say bad things about it. Not necessarily because it. it it's uneven that's my biggest gripe with this. And at the end of the day, I have to imagine he's simply written unevenly because this is a guy who goes from normal speaking voice, maybe a little bit lower than normal because I have to put on again, I, I will. Accept John, slight...
2: He turns into the John Levitt actor character from Saturday night live.
0: Yes. He goes from <laughs> normal upright speaking normally to bent at the waist, raised eyebrows, big eyes and a stupid grin. Like snapping your fingers.
2: Sometimes I lie, acting
0: genius line. Yeah, it's and again, I I I fault him in some ways, but mostly that that character was so poorly conceived and written. And I, I maintain the only good version of Captain Hook ever put to film is Dustin Hoffman in Steven Spielberg's Hook.
2: Come on, can we go back a second? So, sure. they got, so so Amanda Siegfried's character hid Peter so that he would grow up eventually to overthrow Blackbeard. Why did Blackbeard not go on the hunt for this kid? Why not like try to find him? Because the other I assume
0: he didn't know he existed. That's the That's the only thing I have is she escaped from his clutches, became pregnant, gave birth, and hid him all without Blackbeard knowing. That's all I've got.
2: But there was the whole thing of, like, there's a prophecy. There's always a prophecy.
0: Which which bothered me so much because here you have a guy who clearly wants to live forever. Says there's a prophecy about a kid who can fly that's going to kill you. Well, here's a kid that just flew, and your first instinct is not shoot him in the head. (laughs) Well, I mean... And, And here's the other thing. If this is a kid's movie, from start to finish, in tone, where no one dies then of course he can't kill him because it's a kid's movie. But this scene occurs less than five minutes <laughs> from Blackbeard kicking a small child to his death.
2: That's what killed me about this. It was like, wait a minute. You know that this kid possibly might be out there. You're kidnapping kids for slave labor. At no point do you think I might one day kidnap the guy that's going to bring me down and not be on the you, look and for Even that. if
0: you do, you just saw it blatantly. <laughs> and your your response should be draw a pistol, shoot child in head, move on with life.
2: Or at the very least, you know, try to manipulate. That's a thing. Like there was there was an opportunity here for him to to try to maybe draw him to the dark side. Like, yeah, I like you could have been
0: fine with as well. But no, it's just like oh, you're the kid who might end my life. Fine. Peter doesn't know
2: that. You know, it's like he, when he sees him fly, he could have been like. Oh shit! That's the kid. Hmm. Maybe if I give him enough candy and I treat him, you know, I treat him decently, I can get him to my side, and he won't try to overthrow me. You know, and they I would have the been whole...
0: fine with that. Again, I would have been fine with him trying to kill him and the kid escaping then too, because. And again, my big gripe here is consistency within the character. Right. This Blackbeard kills people on screen. Okay, <laughs> if you want to go, th- I'm not complaining. All right, let's be clear. But if that's the direction you are taking this, when presented with apparently a credible mystical threat to his life, he does not kill it? Where's the consistency?
2: Yeah, they were. It was like. Uh, I guess uh, I'm looking at uh, who wrote this thing. It was written by Jason Fuchs, and I swear to God, he must have just watched a whole bunch of other movies and were like, fuck it, I'll just do that. <laughs> there was no attempt to be original in this
0: at all. None. Oh, what? and it. And again. You, you and I talked about this. This whole movie, and again, I cannot recommend this movie to anyone.
2: No, honestly, if you want to, if you want a Peter Pan movie, you know, watch the animated Walt Disney one. Watch Hook with Robin Williams and and Dustin Hoffman. Um, (laughs) Watch the most recent stage production that was captured on network television with Christopher Walken as Hook. Because I hear that's
0: hilarious. Christopher Walken his Hook is hilarious, but again, this is one of the worst versions of this story I've ever seen.
2: It's just not a good movie. Like I said, it's, it's
0: I, not. It, it,
2: My wife asked me at the end, she's like, "What'd you think?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's schmaltzy. I was entertained, but I mean, it's. But as we talk about it, I'm, I'm realizing it's like it's just not a very well put together movie. It's it's very paint by numbers. It's it's just plain. There's nothing interesting about it. The
0: sad thing is it's not even paint-by-numbers in the traditional sense. I'm okay with paint-by-numbers movies. This is like you took four different paint-by-numbers pictures, cut them up, <laughs> repositioned them however you wanted, and then painted.
2: Right. Um, all right. So the big thing that we keep, we keep like, hinting that we're going to talk about, but then running away from to talk about something else, is – and I'll use my wife's line about this. I asked her what she thought of it, and she's like, well, one thing I really didn't like was that it was like 120 minutes of sequel bait. And that's the thing. I, and upon researching this movie, what I, came to, what I came to learn is that Warner Brothers put this out to create an interconnected Peter Pan universe. And it just brings me back to this idea of no one seems to understand what Marvel Studios is doing or why it works.
0: Uh, Yeah, again, the the sequel bait in this was deep and obvious. Again, you have Hook and Pan as friends for no discernible reason. I mean, look, the friendship, if you want to call it that, since, again, since they ripped off Star Wars, let's go ahead and talk about that, even though I don't care much for the movies. Mm -hmm. The relationship established in A New Hope, first Star Wars movie, between, since these are the analogs, between... Luke and Han Solo, is understandable. You understand where each of them is coming from. There are enough moments with the two of them interacting that you get a feel for the dynamic. You understand why Han feels a bit, you know, feels connected, why he likes Luke. You understand the friction between them. And you don't get any of that here. I mean, the whole point, this whole movie feels like okay, we're trying to set up... Like you said, they're trying to set up a big interconnected universe, so they have to be friends so we can have the falling out in the sequel. And it seems like that was it. They didn't bother trying to make them actually be friends. And it just... Oh, we're going to have this whole big kind of underlying theme of what it means to be a grown-up and how they lie and they're, you know, deceitful, horrible people. So consequently, hey, in the sequel... Pan's going to go on a big rant about how he doesn't want to grow up because he's seen what horrible people adults are. And, oh, we've seen Hook try to use, uh, again, the hand. We know the hand's going to be lost. So, hey, here's a bunch of shots with the hand prominently featured. But, nope, it's not going off this time around, guys.
2: (laughs) Why was TikTok cropped the size of a fucking dinosaur?
0: You know, I don't care. That, <laughs> here's my thing about that. You have these birds that are poorly animated, that are half skeletal, half not. Okay, a giant, and a giant crocodile is what's kind of throwing you off here?
2: So, yeah, the, the, the intention of this movie was to launch sequels, was to launch, um, you know, spin-offs. You know, they could have done a whole thing with Tinkerbell and the Fairy Kingdom, but again... I don't know why anyone would want to see those movies. You got nothing about the fairy kingdom in this movie, or Tinkerbell. He, she's literally name dropped, and
0: that's it. I mean, um, would it have killed them to have Hook have kept her prisoner as the last fairy he could find? Right. And she and Peter, you know, meet, and he rescues her as they're leaving, and she doesn't know anything more than he does. Because well, I, I, back, I don't know.
2: I go back to Blackbeard. The, the way that it should have been written was Blackbeard trying to manipulate Peter. You know, and Peter acts, and then flash, let's flash forward a little bit. You know, Peter has been a pirate now for a, for a long time. He's gone on raiding parties. He's, you know, he's a little he's a little uncomfortable, but he's Blackbeard's guy. Blackbeard's the a father he never had. So he just he just wants to make him happy. And like, okay, you're getting to a point now where I'm going to need you to take on some missions of your own, some raids. You know, and across the, across the Never Sea is the is the is a uh, is the fairy kingdom. It's the last great holdout. They've got the pixim that I need. Go get it and slaughter any fairy that stands in your way and have him get captured and have him meet Tinkerbell. You know, like, things like that. There was so many other places they could have gone with this. But they went have for... Have him decide that a
0: bunch of, you know, pirates-wielding flamethrowers obliterating nice-looking pixies was just a bridge too far for his morals. <laughs> right.
2: So, uh 25% on the tomato meter. Uh, 52% they liked it.
0: <laughs> I I don't get. Here's the thing about that. And again, I I want to rant for a minute about why we can't just make movies anymore. But really briefly, to anyone out there who saw this and liked it, I I do not understand. And this is not. I don't understand in the same way that. Oh, uh, okay. There are people out there who think Zoolander is the height of comedy. I mean, I don't understand because I hate it viscerally. It is intellectually anathema to me, but I understand because humor is deeply subjective. So, okay. This is one of those things where I watch and I try to put myself into a different perspective, look at it from a different angle, and I just can't find any... I can't see it. I cannot understand how you saw this movie and walked out and went, yeah, that was good.
2: Okay, here's a four-star review. The critics are being too harsh. This movie was magical and epic at the same time. Me and my friends loved it.
0: Were you high? Because if you're high, okay. <laughs> I will accept. If you are tripping balls and you go see this movie, you're probably going to have a great time.
2: Okay. Here's a five-star review. Pan was a very entertaining, and I'm tired of all these nose-out-of-joint critics who slash movies constantly. <laughs> yeah. This was a new take on an age-old story that centers on a boy who was desperate to discover who he is, connect with his mother, and believe in himself. It captivated both me and my grandson. I was joking thoroughly. Uh,
0: I just... This is not a well-made movie.
2: Oh, wait. This gets better. Five-star review. I thought Pan was a spectacular movie. The acting was excellent. The acting, Mr. Winfrey, was excellent. The effects
0: were superb. You? You, you, whoever wrote this, I I have to imagine the sum total of your exposure to good quality acting is limited to network television, and that's very selective at this point. You believe, like, the Big Bang Theory is the height of comedic acting. I enjoy the Big Bang Theory. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying the acting is mediocre. (laughs) I mean, Rooney Mara is nothing in this movie, as she is more often than not. Again, my rant's on her aside. Garrett Hedlund is deeply back and forth and uneven. Hugh Jackman is all over the place, chewing scenery. And again, he's half written that way. Half of it is the guy just wants to have fun, I think. And again, I'm not passing too much judgment on that. The director doesn't know what what he wants out of his actors. I mean, I will say this. The kid, Levi Miller, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Levi Miller. Fine. You know, when you when you make a child actor pretty much the focal point of your movie, you had darn well better get that right. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Five star
2: review. This movie was original and well conceived.
0: Sir, you're the type <laughs> of person who thinks that Lord of the Rings ripped off Harry Potter, aren't you?
2: The critics are way off. Our kids, their friends, and all the adults that attended and enjoyed the show. We highly recommend you take your kids to this wonderful adventure. So what, you kids... pulled the
0: audience? Is that what you did?
2: <laughs> yes, this wonderful tale of kids being kicked off pirate ships and, na- and pottery barn natives being turned into cocaine.
0: He ca- Again, this is not a kid's movie. I have to stress that. And I'm not saying that kids' movies have to be stupid and and you know sappy and over-the-top. And we've talked about this at length, too. But this is not a kids' movie. And the sad thing is, I feel like the studio executives wanted it to be.
2: Yeah, they, they didn't know what they wanted.
0: I mean, again, I feel like this is one of those things where someone involved with making this wanted a slightly darker, slightly more mature version of the story which is fine. You can tell that story if you commit to it and you make it very clear. I mean, look, uh, some of the uh, – again, Maleficent was not a kid's movie in the traditional sense.
2: They tried with Maleficent. It come, it, it, it's not great. We when we talked about that last year. It definitely has some problems, not the least of which are the guy who plays the villain in uh, his terrible scouting. Poor, Char-
0: poor Charlotte O'Copley because that's a talented <laughs> actor. When he wants to be, but man, um, no. but
2: they at least, you know, and, and we, you know, we talked about how they really ruined one of the great evil characters in, in Disney history. But other, but at least they tried with with the story, you know. They they had this, some, you know, they had this sort of shepherd of a, and again, Maleficent at least looks really pretty.
0: And Maleficent has the benefit of Angelina Jolie in the lead, which helps mm. tremendously.
2: I don't think the kid was bad in this one I, you know Levi...
0: I, no Levi, no he was fine again yeah. I, again it, it, they got it right they did not cast jake lloyd
2: <laughs> no they did not <sighs> Ugh, yeah, um,
0: they sorry. got a decent child actor all right the last thing i want to touch on here and we t- again they wanted to create an interconnected peter pan universe
2: so instead of so instead of just concentrating on focusing on you know, and instead of waiting to see how well this was going to be received to see if this could this could be a base for more Peter Pan movies and Tinkerbell movies and whatnot, they they just sort of rushed out this sort of, you know, phantom menace, essentially. They, they rushed out this... I'd
0: rather watch The Phantom Menace than this. Oh, God.
2: That's one of those statements that really shows the difference in age between the two of us. Um,
0: well, hey, no, no, no. I intend that more as a slam on this movie. Okay. And, it is, and to me, I'm not praising Phantom Menace here. I'm saying that's how bad this was.
2: But instead of, like I said, instead of really putting together a really great movie, you know, sort of talking, putting in some of the things that we're talking about, showing us things in the movie, and really going all out with the budget and making sure we had the most, you know, a, really a pleasurable visual experience, they were just like, just throw, just get the shit out there, because... We'll, you know, the sequel. We'll do better with the sequel. Seem to have so been going the It's gonna be a
0: television movie. series spin-off. Yeah. And then the Lost Boys are gonna have their own series of adventures. Right. will so be. And
2: the then Lost we're gonna
0: reboot the whole thing in four years anyway.
2: It'll be the Lost Boys NCIS. Uh
0: <laughs> Mark, why can't we just make movies anymore?
2: Did I? Did you not see the article I said that there were ninety-eight movies currently either being remade or rebooted?
0: I did. I saw it, and it depressed me. And first of all, don't try to remake it. You're not going to do it any better. You're just not. They're going to try again with Green Lantern, simply because DC, we must have the DC Cinematic Universe now. Key and P.O.K. are
2: remaking the Police Academy movies.
0: Which I don't hold in. I like them, but I don't, you know, they're not like a sacred cow. Oh, I love. The, I, I don't
2: care that they're redoing them, but I love the Police Academy movies. I can't wait to do that on Long Road to Ruin.
0: But uh, it seems like for some reason, and I can't blame Disney and Marvel for making money and for having, you know, the vision and the personnel in place to make an interconnected cinematic universe.
2: Well, hang on. let, let me go back a sec. Marvel Universe, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, started with an idea. We wanted won...
0: happy act more than we,
2: anything. We want, it, we want to build towards the Avengers, so we're gonna do several different solo movies with all these characters, then do one big event movie with all the characters. Okay, what are you gonna do after that? We're gonna do more with those characters, but this is all gonna to lead to a big event movie from a comic book we did 20 years ago that they're all familiar with. And that's the thing, it's, it's already got a built-in audience, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, People are familiar with Thor. They're familiar with Captain America. They're familiar with Iron Man. So it's not like they have to reinvent these characters. And then they just happen to write pretty decent scripts for all these movies. I mean, like I said, the, the dark world had problems, but overall it was a fun movie to watch. At the very least, people enjoyed the character Thor. So even, even if he's in a bag of shit, which was his first movie,
0: his first people movie is not it. that bad. I get so sick of people not understanding Shakespearean approaches to movies. The first Thor? Yes.
2: <laughs> you mean Thor? Thor's day off?
0: I'm just saying, it's, again, I have debated this with plenty of other people. I don't want to rehash it.
2: I was going to say, we may need, we need to restart this podcast, but if you want to have a debate over whether or not the original Thor was a bag of shit.
0: Because, I, again, I, I don't want to re-debate it. I very much enjoy it. I, there's a lot that is I done very it. very well.
2: I enjoy uh, it, but if you want to talk about a rush to the finish line, just just to get it done with, I mean, people give the first Captain America the first Avenger shit. at least that had a story. This was, you know, this this was like on, we gotta we gotta get Thor on the, you know in a movie, We gotta get Thor in a movie, and just fucking rush all the way through it.
0: I, I look, do I think it could have been better? Sure, but again, I I just I get so sick of people.
2: Okay, you want to know my opinion on on the first Thor movie? Watch the honest
0: trailer. Uh, uh Nah, maybe. <laughs> All right, us out of here. All right. Uh Mark, you have next week off.
2: I do. It's, it's going to be uh, you're going to be the captain's chair
0: and it's going to be uh, you're going to have a different co-host,
2: you know, Jason Teasley.
0: Yeah, uh, Jason Teasley and I will be reviewing Guillermo del Toro's latest movie, Crimson Peak, because Mark doesn't like the scary. Nope. Even though gothic horror is kind of its own animal when it comes to that, and not really scary in the traditional sense of the word, but...
2: Even though I don't live in, ki- in the kind of house that she's going to be in in Crimson Peak, I still don't want to watch that movie. now I'm afraid things like that will happen in my house. That's just the way I am.
0: It's Okay. I'm I'm not going to uh, okay, I'm not going to mock you for, you know, not liking scary things. I don't like funny things or stupid things and too often when they overlap. <laughs> so I just uh, you know, fine, it's okay. So again, next week Jason Teasley and I will be reviewing that. I anticipate a good movie. Uh Guillermo del Toro has not made a bad one yet, and he's made some really great ones. <sighs> Uh, for example, if you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, you're missing out on one of the best movies oh, geez, of the last decade. And Hellboy. So we'll be reviewing that. Uh, and Hellboy, yes. <laughs> and Hellboy 2, which I find superior to Hellboy 1.
2: And Pacific and,
0: Rim. And Pacific Rim, which I have a blast with.
2: I love Pacific Rim. It's one of my favorite
0: movies of all time. And... Anyway, the week after that, Mark and I will be back with a double review to kick off November. Yes. A split seven inches I like to call it. Yeah, I'm not gonna make jokes. I'm just not gonna do it. <laughs> so
2: Robert Robert Winfrey will be uh reviewing paranormal activity, the ghost dimension, and I will be reviewing what Is It's
0: paranormal five. activity five or six, I think, and I think it's five.
2: Six. No, well it's five because the uh, the lost ones but no, so the marked ones didn't count.
0: Why doesn't it count?
2: Because it, well, it's not part of the it's not part of the Paranormal Activity sequence. See, Los
0: Muertos it oh, well, yeah. doesn't count, and uh, Paranormal Activity Tokyo Nights are both independent from that. But I thought the marked ones was actually within the greater continuity.
2: It's, for my understanding, the fifth Paranormal Activity movie proper is The Ghost Dimension. All right. It's the ongoing story. Well, I'll know story more of,
0: after I see it
2: it's the ongoing story of Katie Vick and her family.
0: Then we'll count the others as actually the marked ones is pretty darn good. Is it really? Well, I mean, you won't like it.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Because you'll wind up being scared. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as it's again, three and four are awful five is actually okay.
2: Um, Isn't that the point of a horror movie is to frighten people.
0: Well, it should be.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes, he'll be doing the fifth of the Katie, of the Katie story um, in Paranormal Activity, the Ghost Dimension. I will be reviewing Gem and the Holograms. going to have a Daddy-Daughter Day. It's going to be fantastic.
0: I maintain I will be watching. You got off worse than I did, sir. Your movie will be exponentially <laughs> worse than mine.
2: <laughs> well, you keep saying, like, "Oh, I already know what the plot is, and it's like, "Yeah, it's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to defend that i'm gonna gonna be I'm gonna try very, very hard to find something redeemable about this movie
0: Hey look, if there's stuff that's good about it, feel free to tell me i just i slammed the overall narrative simply because I've seen it plenty of times before and a few times when it didn't suck well, that's, that's
2: so. it it'll probably be that it'll probably be as basic a narrative as anything you know um girl- girl has." Whatever problems, girl becomes, uh, g- uh, becomes popular, uh, girl turns on her friends, girl, you know, girl then returns on the person who corrupted her in the first place. Evil,
0: me- up- Evil record executives because music should be free, damn it.
2: Yes, and then finds out that friendship is indeed magic. I- and that's fine.
0: As long- <laughs> I swear with their stupid makeup, they're probably going to wind up. Every one of them will have their own little pony mark on their cheek. I swear it's just but, that. Story. But here's the thing.
2: All I care about is that my daughter will enjoy it. If she can get through the whole thing and she at the end of it, it's just like that movie was fantastic. And we get the DVD. Then it, it's a success.
0: I imagine those things will happen and you will be shelling uh-huh. out too much money for the DVD a month or so later for Christmas.
2: Probably. <laughs> She's all the- right. She's been telling me recently she wants a guitar, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, this is uh, just going to make that worse. I, I feel bad. At least you didn't ask for drums. No. All right. But with that coming up, um, as always, you can find me uh, Sunday evenings, this evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show is back. We are previewing UFC Fight Night 76 from Dublin, Ireland. Ought to be a lot of fun. With those Irish fights. It did. It lost the co-main event, actually, which sucks. I mean, don't get me wrong. Steepy Miocic and Ben Rothwell is probably going to suck anyway because heavyweights. But you know, oh, they army. lost uh, a pretty relevant fight as far as that goes. I mean, the main event's fine. They're going to have a great gate anyway because they've got the main Irish stars, the not named Conor McGregor, who will probably never fight in Ireland again because <laughs> the UFC likes money. And until they can actually sell him in a stadium defending the belt, they won't. So But they got the other main ones on that card. So it'll be fun. The Irish crowds are awesome. Uh best fight atmosphere I've ever witnessed. And that includes all the Brazilians and whatnot. That was that was something else. The last card from <laughs> Dublin. So speaking of that card, next Saturday I'll be providing live coverage of said card. So stop by the MMA zone to four one one Mania. Say hello. I appreciate it. Uh, Mark, you're talking Jaws tomorrow, yes?
2: That is correct, sir. Uh, tomorrow starts our two-part look at the Jaws movies. I've actually watched now the original Jaws and Jaws do, uh, 2. We'll be talking about them tomorrow on Long Road to Ruin. Um, and then a week from that, uh, Metal Hammer of Doom. We'll be reviewing Throwsome Blood 2, The Wanderer. And then a week from that, right before Thanksgiving, we'll be finishing up Jaws and uh, we'll be looking at jaws 3 d and then jaws the revenge.
0: Uh those movies are not good. <laughs> um I also I'll warn you right now. Those movies are not good. <laughs>
2: so I'm I'm prepared. Um I, I also... don't think you are. <laughs> I also want to uh point everyone over to thecasualheroes.com or .net whichever you like. Uh, assuming it's up, it may or may not be, but it will be at some point. We actually did a wrestle cast and it ended without us all hanging up on one another. Uh it, it was actually a very pleasant show. So Are
0: you sure that that doesn't sound like a casual heroes wrestle cast, Mark? Are you sure it, that's what it, you were on?
2: There was minimal snarky, uh snipey kind of comments made at one another. We actually all pretty much got along, oddly enough.
0: I'm going to ask what you were smoking and where I can get some to travel to this joyous place where people don't make fun of each other.
2: I can only assume uh, a two month hiatus taught certain members of the group. Maybe they, uh, they should not do what they were doing that caused a two month hiatus in the first place.
0: All right. So feel free to hop over there and listen to that. Uh, if professional wrestling interests you at all. And if it doesn't right now, I can only assume that's because you watch the WWE's product, because it's, uh, yeah. Oh, NXT is good. And for some reason, we all consider that separate.
2: (sighs) It's still under WWE umbrella, but... Yep,
0: Okay, allow me to refer... Allow me to rephrase. The main roster stuff that promotion is doing is bleh.
2: Okay, if you go over to Casual Heroes right now, yes you can find our latest WrestleCast, Top fifteen fails.
0: <laughs> All right, again. I'll be back next week with Jason Teasley. That's fun. I like Jason. We have a good time. Week after, Mark and I will be reviewing our split review. What's after that?
2: Um the James Bond.
0: Oh yes, yeah, Spectre. I, I I, I'm I'm a little bit giddy, gonna lie. Yeah, uh, real
2: quick. Um Hey.
0: And then the Peanuts movie will be the week after that.
2: Yes. Uh right now we've got uh oh fuck off. Um yep, Crimson Peak, and the Holograms/Paranormal uh, Activities. Okay. Um Now the 4th of November we're off. We're not doing anything. All but right. we'll be but then we're back on Veterans Day, the 11th we'll be reviewing Spectre, then the Peanut's movie, then The Good Dinosaur. Uh, no, then taking another break, The Day Before Thanksgiving, so that Robert can go out with his friends and drink that are back from college. <clears throat>
0: uh yeah, Robert doesn't drink.
2: <laughs> so that uh Robert can ha- so we're going to be taking the night off so that uh Robert can go out bar hopping with his friends in Utah.
0: But then we Yeah, we'll be back. Robert doesn't have friends. <laughs>
2: Then we'll be back December second for the good dinosaur uh we're taking two weeks off, and then finally uh on december twenty third the force awakens, and then December thirtieth the hateful eight
0: and then early in January, we'll probably have one of these that is just a review of two thousand and fifteen in general. I imagine it will be we'll go over what we saw what we didn't see uh we'll reiterate some of our points there will be a lot uh, i need a soundboard with john lovitz as the critic it stinks for our year and for our year retrospective because when we retouch on some of these so what do you think about tomorrowland it stinks
2: do you want to schedule that before the before star wars so we don't have a two week break
0: we could do that sure i mean look we all know i'm probably not going to be overly impressed with star wars you're going to gush all over it and then Tarantino, we all know what we're getting into.
2: Yeah. All right. So I'll put it on there now. Um, 2015, not 2915. 2015 year-end movie review. Did it stink or not?
0: <laughs> uh, I. We can also take that opportunity to anything that you and I didn't review officially that we may have seen. Just kind of plug or say it was bad type of thing. So. Because we okay. focus on big, big releases, be they flops or successes. So, if you happen to see anything between now and then, or you have it earlier in the year, or I have that we didn't get a chance to talk about, that would be a good time to, you know, do quick plugs and things like that. So, we can talk about Trainwreck. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> you can talk about Trainwreck, subtitled "We all really knew John Cena was gay." <laughs>
2: All right, get us out of here. i got to go run.
0: All right, my dog now also agrees we should be done. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for following the show. You can like us on Facebook at Radelich and Broadcasting. That's R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H. Give us a like. Uh, That's the best place to get consistent updates about what's coming out in the future. You can follow us on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and Stitcher. That will allow you to rate us five stars or however many stars you think we deserve. Uh, if I'm being objective, probably two and a half, three, but I ask for five. Aim aim high. Aim high. Uh, you can also give us comments, criticisms, critiques, make requests, things of that nature. We appreciate all of it. Uh, that's not me paying lip service. We do. It lets us know people are out there. We are always looking to improve the shows. Uh, so thank you all so very much for doing that in advance. Well I'll be back next week with uh the first horror movie of the year officially being uh, reviewed here. There have been a few others released earlier, but bleh. <laughs> and in some cases very much bleh. Uh blah blah blah. Oh that movie. I'm glad you found a running joke. That's not Adam Sandler's career. <laughs> All right. For Mark Radlich, I'm Robert Winfrey, reminding everyone out there to continue to be well, be safe, and behave. And because Mark likes it, um, I'm kind of on the fence. Hail the apocalypse.